Hello and welcome to another edition of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz and my guest today is Jeff Roars. He is the Vice President of Marketing Insights for Exact Target, a company that is now part of the Salesforce.com empire. He's also the author of Audience, Marketing in the Age of Subscribers, Fans, and Followers. So Jeff, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, John. Glad to be here. You know, it just occurred to me that, uh, depending upon when people listen to this, uh, uh, Dreamforce just happened. That was uh, was this your first Dreamforce uh, as part of the team? It was, yeah. Um, many of my colleagues have attended because we've been a longtime Salesforce.com partner, but it was the first one I've ever attended. So, uh, felt uh, as I've told like uh, many of my friends, it felt like being a, a, a spot of paint in a Monet. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I have just you just you see the tweets and all the stuff that goes on online, and it must just uh, be quite. You know, I've participated in a couple Microsoft uh, World Partner conferences, but get the sense this is even more frenetic than that. It's it is a very very big event. Uh, I think uh, all told, uh, paid and uh, free attendees are looking at something like a hundred and. 30,000 people. I heard that it uh, increases the size of San Francisco, uh, San Francisco by 15% during the week. So, wow, quite, I, can't, uh, I can't imagine uh, trying, to, trying to get a coffee and a hot dog at a thing like that. Well, it, it's interesting because, you know, with Salesforce, you've got, you know, the, the, the expansion of the model from just the sales cloud to the service cloud to the marketing cloud. And so there are these interesting yeah. differentiated communities that all have some overlap right. and each kind of have you know, the things and tracks that they're interested in. Um, and it, it literally does turn downtown San Francisco into uh, the conference center. So, oh, right, you, know, right. you know, the uh, Moscone Center is where the main expo hall is and all of the main keynotes that you read about in the press. But all the breakouts are in uh, in hotels distributed around downtown. So yeah. it's, you know, it turns San Francisco into uh, its, its campus, which uh, is a very intriguing thing. Uh, and so, just a... So you want to you want to pitch some business? Just go hang out in a coffee shop nearby, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, there are a ton of people who you know probably don't pay for the conference, but benefit tremendously yeah. from just being in the ecosystem. So let's talk about your book, shall we? Yeah, let's uh, do it. One of the kind of core statements or themes, I, I guess, might be uh, that I'd love to hear you sort of expand on is um, the statement that proprietary audience development is now a core marketing responsibility. That sounds pretty meaty. <laughs> you know, it's the uh, you. You probably appreciate this as an author yourself. You, the more succinct you can get the concept, the more uh, the more kind of amped and 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 excited about it you feel, and also kind of the more self evident yeah. it, it it appears, the more excited. And uh, when I came up with that little statement, I was like, ah, I've got it, because I've been around uh, digital marketing almost since its inception uh, in email marketing. Uh, with Exact Target for the last seven years, and then prior to that, uh, many years as a partner and president of an agency. And uh, you know, we're obviously living through the rise of social media, the the massive expansion of mobile uh, devices and mobile access, and uh, the rise of of big data as well. And as I've been sifting through those themes, and also watching the growth and just the trajectory of content marketing, um, I kept having kind of this empty feeling and. Uh, I, I felt, you know, there was something missing in a lot of the conversations I was seeing. And when I began to sit down and write the book, I realized uh, ultimately what was missing from this is who is owning development 
of your audience uh, as a company. What has happened is we have focused very tactically because we've had to. All these different tactics have grown up underneath us, email, uh, Facebook, Twitter, search engine marketing, etc. And so we've put people on tactics. Uh, meanwhile, there are certain through lines, horizontal responsibility sets that touch everybody in marketing that you know you you want to have kind of your best strategic thinkers on because it's where your value is really created in marketing. So you know if you think about some of those horizontal through lines, you know you always want to be thinking about how do I make the sale? That's job number one. And so everybody in marketing should be ultimately thinking about how their job contributes to that. Number number two is building the brand. So we have people who own brand development and brand management and brand advertising because that makes job number one easier when people can recognize you in the marketplace and differentiate you from your, your competitors and attach emotionality to your name or your logo. The third piece is really customer service and social media has amplified that because if you have poor customer service, that's now poor marketing. Yeah, it's all, it's all done publicly now. Right. And then the, the fourth piece is creative and creative now subsumes content marketing. Content marketing becomes this creative expression, this way that you can capture direct uh, audiences, seekers as I call them. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you're ultimately creating uh, great visuals, great um, content, be it video or audio or textual, things that ultimately are going to attract people. They're, they're magnetic. They're going out in the marketplace directly. You're not reliant on third parties always. Uh, and that fifth piece then is this notion of proprietary audience development and that now audience development is a core marketing responsibility. And it, as you reflect on that kind of that stack that I've just landed or, or laid out rather, um, you, you begin to see, wow, audience is the thing that kind of ties it all together because where does the energy for my business come from if not from consumers and how do I store it if not in audiences? And if you think about traditional paid media – that's exactly the model. We go to third parties who aggregate attention from consumers in the form of audiences, right? Every night, mm-hmm. ABC, NBC, Fox have an audience. It's been you know, shrinking over the years, but it's still this mighty audience that people are willing to pay to reach. Yeah, that, so, would, that, that would be true about your daily newspaper still, right? It, daily newspaper still, right? I mean, people are paying for I pay for that convenience. I, want, I live in Cleveland uh, area. And I pay for the, the Cleveland Plain Dealer to be delivered the four or five days a week they still deliver because I want that convenience. I'm their audience. I still you know, can respond to paid advertising um, in the form of print. Um, so we know inherently because you know, advertising and marketing has been so built on that paid model that audiences have value. But if we then reflect internally about what we've been doing in our marketing organizations, we don't have any in charge of proprietary audience development, the audiences that we and we alone can communicate with. Sure, we've got a person on email, and that person knows, yeah, I want to have a bigger subscriber base. And we have people on social media, and they know, yeah, I want to have more Facebook fans and Twitter followers. But we don't have anybody who's looking horizontally across all the different places where you can build your own direct audiences, saying, hey, strategically, let's do this in this paid ad with a call to action to get people to subscribe to email. Or, hey, can we we do this over here in this print piece or this uh, particular video we're going to post or, you know, kind of our owned media on YouTube so that we're getting more YouTube subscribers. And it was that epiphany that, that really uh, drove home the notion that, look, we, it's great to have tactical owners, but now as the dust settles on all these channels, it's time that we look for the things that are at a DNA level in marketing 
that are a responsibility that touches everything. And if they work really well, they make everybody else's job a lot easier. And my fundamental belief is that proprietary audience development, building bigger, more engaged, more valuable audiences is one of those foundational elements. Well, it's interesting, but uh, as I heard you uh, listen to you uh, describe that idea of audience development, I think um, while it was not the original intent, uh, would be my guess for a lot of the early on bloggers, I I think some of them really kind of flipped the media model um, and built their own audiences. And and really, I think in a lot of cases, that wasn't the original intent, but they delivered so much value that they built large audiences, which they could then monetize. Absolutely right. Uh, that's that's why uh, when I go out and speak, the, the the primary audiences who understand what I'm talking about are usually either you know bloggers who are really kind of uh, kind of hand elbow shoulder deep in um, you know nurturing and getting value out of these these direct audiences they build, or uh, digital public and broadcasters who can tell me, you know, at a drop of a hat what their audience is worth. Um, That's kind of the mentality that I'm hoping to help marketers get uh, because it's not enough to just do this by chance. You can't just, And and I think that, I I think before we go too much farther, I'd like you to describe, you know, what an audience is because I think uh, that could, that could be, you know, I can see in the old days, particularly people think, well, my audience is my customers or my, you know, hot list of prospects, but I'm, I'm thinking, at least, that you're suggesting it's much broader than that. Yeah, that's a great point, John. Uh, you know, I, in the book, break it into three different types of primary audiences. Seekers, amplifiers, and joiners. Seekers are people who look for information or entertainment. They are most commonly known as searchers on Google. They are viewers of television with that remote in their hand seeking entertainment. They are listeners to a radio or this podcast. Basically, the seeker doesn't have to have any sort of direct relationship with you. They have just kind of uh, stumbled into, surfed into, browsed into an environment in which either your own content or your paid media or perhaps some earned media is getting in front. And that means that there's no button you can push to activate the seekers. You've either got for media or you've got to you know, come up with a strategy for amplification, and that leads to the second audience, the amplifiers. They're the folks who will take a message or have an experience and share it with their own personal network. They are an audience with an audience, and all of us are audiences with audiences now, right? You've got Twitter followers. I've got Twitter followers. We have friends and family on Facebook. We're connected on LinkedIn. I mean, this is an amazing age where... You know, the the message no longer ends with the audience. That's just the beginning of a possibility of amplification. And we used to call that going viral. But now viral is almost kind of an outdated notion because nothing dies on the Internet. This stuff circulates around ad infinitum. I don't know if you've seen this phenomenon, but I've seen several memes on Facebook lately that were actually recycled. And people didn't even know it from like nine months, two years ago. Um, well, I, I, lo- I look in my—I was going to say—I look in my server logs or my uh, analytics logs, and I—I'm always floored by the amount of traffic some of my posts from 08 and 09 get. Right, it falls into the right person at the right moment with the right audience, and that's the amplifier audience. You've put out that owned media, your blog post, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody finds that they don't necessarily—they're not necessarily a subscriber, they're not necessarily a fan or a follower. They're a seeker. They find that content. 
They now turn into an amplifier because they decide to tweet it or blog about it and link back to it. Now that amplification causes other people to become seekers, read it, and potentially amplify it back out again. So the seekers and amplifiers are very kind of hand in glove, but again, there's no push button availability there. The third type of audience, joiners, is really the, the VIP kind of audience. And the, and the ultimate joiner, as you alluded to, is a customer, right? A customer mm -hmm. joins with their wallet. Right. That's what we're all in this for. We're in it to make the sale. But short of that, I want to get that person to be an email subscriber, an SMS subscriber, a YouTube subscriber, a Facebook fan, a, you know, a Twitter follower, an Instagram follower, whatever's appropriate for them, but in an audience where I have that push button availability to have a greater potential to get my message in front of them when I need to. Right. When that happens, I am creating an opportunity because I reduce my uh, dependency on paid media because I can go direct to these audiences. And anybody who's been an email marketer for any length of time completely understands this. You know, the amazing ability to push the button and then watch the coffer, you know, ring in the sales. Now, with the rise of social and mobile, we have high degree of fragmentation of these audiences. And the efficacy of these different channels to produce direct sales is vastly different. Mm -hmm. But they're not all there for the same purpose. Some of them exist to, again, create amplification opportunities. Some of them are really about engagement to make sure that emotionality and that connection with your brand is created. But at the end of the day, uh, I think if we begin to think and analyze what we're, we're building as assets in marketing and we move our asset mentality away from you know, just owned media and the creative assets – we begin to think of our audiences as assets with real monetary value attached to them, not just in an individual sale, but in terms of lifetime customer value. Now we begin to invest in the right type of activities that are going to generate long-term opportunities instead of just short-term blips, uh, you know, on the balance sheet. Well, and I think that that's one of the challenges for, you know, every time I hear the ROI of social media argument, I think one of the real challenges is that a lot of people are using social media to create and find seekers, but then they don't have the analytics or the journey or the path or whatever we want to call it to actually uh, be able to say, well, that person led to you know these five customers. And I, and I think that that's the real challenge is because I think what you're suggesting is you have to build seekers even if knowing, I should say, that 85% of them will never become customers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I'm not going to lay blame at the feet of marketers today for that because, you know, the technology, the tools, you know, such as we build, such as other build, others build, have to begin delivering on that promise of the single view of the consumer, right? Where we right. can truly pull together multiple data sources across multiple channels to understand that this person on Facebook is this person in email is this person on Twitter. Yeah. And that future is rapidly, you know, coming here. Um, in fact, there's some really interesting developments in social advertising that I think are, you know, almost kind of a, uh, uh, a foreshadowing of, of how important proprietary, proprietary audience development is going to be. <laughs> and the one that comes to mind are, are, is the Facebook custom audiences yep. product. Yep. And, you know, if folks aren't familiar with that, I can, I can take my proprietary subscriber list, email subscriber list. Put, you know, send the email addresses uh, to Facebook who will map those against my Facebook fans. So it's my subscribers, my Facebook fans. Now what that gives you are segments of your fans because you now know 
These fans aren't email subscribers. These fans are email subscribers. And then overall, this is the demographic profile of people who are both fans and subscribers. Where that becomes then very powerful is I can now do very highly targeted Facebook advertising. And the first thing I would do if I were to take advantage of custom audiences is use Facebook advertising to advertise my email subscription benefits to the fans who aren't email subscribers. Yep. Because, again, that's a push-button audience. It's at my cadence. I'm not dependent on whether Facebook's algorithm you know, decides to put something in the news feed. It's my email sending to their inbox. And so long as I'm honoring permission and I've got good deliverability uh, you know, measurements and metrics, uh, it's going to at least get in the inbox and be seen in some capacity. Um, so the, the hand-in-glove now of, of email and Facebook in that instance is fascinating because – if you don't build those audiences, you can't take advantage of that higher form of social media advertising. And that's completely new. I mean, that's that's really off the charts. And that completely decimates the siloed nature of a lot of marketing departments where, you know, the social people don't really talk to the email people and the, you know, the brand advertising folks have the great, you know, uh, the great cars and the great uh, the great suits and fashion, and they only you know think about calls to action in the very very last part of the process. Right. Uh, if then, uh, that's all going to change. Yeah. That's that has to change because otherwise you're just going to be leaving way too much opportunity and money on the table. I want to visit another topic. You've thrown out a couple terms: uh, owned media. I think you've said already, and earned media, and, and at some point you probably mentioned paid. Um, and you talk about a, a lot about. In fact, marketers today, you know want to talk about those, you know, three things as, as having to all be in play. I, I've quite frankly, uh, for years have talked about the need for, mar- for, uh, businesses, marketers to, to always be thinking advertising PR and referrals. And I think that paid mm-hmm. and, and, and owned, you know, is, is really kind of, um, uh, maybe newer distinctions, but about the same distinction. Yeah. And, and uh, there was a great white paper from Altimeter Group, uh, Rebecca Lieb and, um, Jeremiah Owang over there about a year and a half ago, called The Converged um, Media. And it was talking about how the lines between paid, owned, and earned are beginning to blur. As I dug into that, though, what was very intriguing is I realized people were talking about media, paid, owned, and earned, as if it was audience. Mm -hmm. And that's a big no-no in my book and a big distinction to draw. Media slash channels, those are the places through which you communicate. Right. Those are the channels through which you communicate. It could be television, it could be print, it could be online, it could be Facebook, it could be whatever. Audiences are the actual recipients of that message through a particular channel. And this is, you know, communication 101. In fact, in the book, I kind of provide a few, Mm -hmm. um, you know, diagrams that might send people into, you know, some sort of epileptic shock if they uh, if they took communication 101 and had to take a test. Identify the little parts on those those goofy graphics, but you know that's that's an important distinction to draw because paid media is is you know literally tangible media that I can pay for, right? I can I can pay for a television commercial, I can pay for a print ad, I can pay for a banner ad. Owned media truly is owned, right? It's stuff that I can actually build or create, whether it's a mobile app, a website, a white paper, an ebook, etc. But Earned media is not really media. It's a process mm-hmm. by which somebody, a consumer, an audience member, decides to communicate a message, be it pro- positive or negative, about your brand to their own audience. 
So it's the process whereby it comes through some sort of medium, some channel to them, and then they take the extra step to then amplify it out to their audience. And so I think it's important for us to keep media and audience uh, separate because otherwise we think we're doing audience development when we're actually doing content marketing or we're actually doing advertising. And I like to say that content marketing and proprietary audience development are different sides of the exact same coin. If you do not have an audience, what good is your content, right? Yep. It's a tree falling in the forest. Nobody hears yep. it. Yep. If your audience doesn't have content, what do they have to engage with, right? There's no reason for them to follow you or fan you or like you. Yeah, right? If you're always just it, selling to them, it, that's it, a problem. It's funny because as people, you know, four or five years ago, as people were coming to me, uh, when I would talk and they'd say, well, you know, should I be on Facebook or LinkedIn? I'd say, well, do you have a blog? <laughs> because, yeah. you know, again, it was that idea of, oh, I need to build this big following. Now what? Um, and I think there is a bit of a hierarchy uh, to that, uh, uh, but that they actually do. You're right. Uh, they, uh, they absolutely have to go hand in hand. And I think the only, the only adjustment I'd make to that advice now, five years down the line, is the question I'd ask maybe before that is, well, where are your customers or prospective right. customers? Sure. Right? Sure. Are, are they... You know, are, are you the type of product that they've got to go, you know, Google and search? Are you the type of product where it's, you know, an impulse buy, uh, highly influenced by friends and family? Um, you know, those are the types of questions that could lead you in interesting places. And in the book, I, um, I showcase, you know, a few different companies, one who, you know, uh, you know, built, um, uh, built their business on uh, Facebook and then backed their way into email and to Twitter. And then you've got, you know, a famous case study that a lot of people cited, Aura Brush, who built their presence on YouTube and, you know, have hundreds of thousands of subscribers there. And that helped them get, um, you know, opportunities to sell through Walmart and other types of retailers that they were never getting previously. Um, and, you know, here, um, uh, you know, kind of in my own backyard, uh, one of the case studies I mentioned in the book is, is Melt Bar and Grilled, which is a gourmet grilled cheese restaurant that's been featured on the Food Network and is just a few blocks from me. And, you know, there they've been able to expand from one to five locations on kind of a combined back of email and Facebook because email is the one that drives the feed into the, into the store. Facebook is the one that drives awareness of the brand into new markets. And the, I just think that you look at where are your consumers? Where do they want to hook up sure. with you? You have, um, and we, we're running out of time, so um, uh, we do need to wrap up today. But uh, you have, uh, I was looking at uh, the, the site that you built, uh, the companion site for the book. Um, and you, one, one of my favorite things that you have there that maybe you can, and first off, tell people you know, about, about the site. Uh, but but the, the growth swipe file, the audience growth swipe files are, are a lot of fun. Yeah, so um, our team had a really great idea about uh, a year back. Um, we added a gentleman by the name of Chad White, who's uh, known uh, quite widely and, and, and respected in email circles. He uh, is really one of the foremost kind of retail uh, email experts out there. And uh, he joined our team and had this idea for what he called the swipe file. And it would just be a collection of ideas to inspire email designers that you could literally swipe, right? Yep, yep. You know, here's a great idea from this company. Let's take this idea. So we launched that last year, and it really took off. A lot of folks uh, loved it. You know, it's gained a lot of followers on Pinterest. You know, almost you know being in a case study itself of, of audience mm -hmm. development. 
And we decided, you know what, we're going to start that with um, the audience growth swipe file as well. So what uh, we're trying to collectively do, and uh, if folks uh, you know, see examples, they're welcome to send them to me uh, you know, via Twitter, at uh, JK Roars, just include my handle. But we're taking pictures of examples of things where companies are doing great jobs of acquiring audiences through different channels. So you know, I'm sitting here looking at a cup from Wendy's, and it has a QR code and a, a campaign to, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, enter a contest and it, it, that gets me into an email, uh, uh, subscriber form, you know, other types of things. So we're really trying to capture all of these different physical and virtual ways to build audiences across a variety of channels, not to say, Hey, this is the way you absolutely should do it, but rather again, to inspire people to find the ideas that are worthy of swiping for them because they're be untapped potential as they look to build their direct audiences over time. And, and tell us uh, um, where they can, where folks can find, obviously the book can be purchased anywhere, but tell us uh, uh, the, yeah, what's so, the URL for the site. Yeah, the URL for the site is audiencepro.com and the resources section has a link to our swipe file as well as uh, Facebook page, Twitter, and, and a variety of other resources that you can use and download. Uh, and um, again, I'm just at JK Roars. Uh, on uh, on uh, Twitter, and I'll extend the offer to your listeners as I have with uh, other podcasts. Uh, if you happen to uh, buy and, and and review audience uh, on Amazon, just uh, tweet me the screenshot of the review, uh, positive or otherwise, I don't care. And uh, I've got I think a remaining stash here of about seventeen uh, books that I'll, uh, I'll autograph one for you, and also a limited edition audience. Uh, fan scarf. I'm a big fan of world football and English Premier League. So one of the uh, things I got to do was have about 50 of these scarves made. That uh, if you've ever been to a soccer match, oh, yeah. you, know, you know the fans hold them up over their hands, and yeah. it was that kind of emotionality that uh, led me to um, to to think about writing this book. So um, again, would love to get more reviews out there as people uh, you know get a chance to get the book in their hands, and and really do appreciate the time today, John. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, always great uh, chatting with you, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll, we'll see you up there in Indianapolis someday soon. Sounds good. All right, take care, Jeff. You too.